Hi, and welcome back to Silly Breakfast. I am playing host tonight. This is uh, Maddie. And today on the call, we have Tyler. So Salty is on a little vacation. So John, uh, John Salty, John Salty Dalton will not be joining us tonight. So it's just a duo tonight. Um, but I'm just going to dive right in with the what you got. So what do you got tonight, Tyler? So we just finished the Masters. Uh, we, we, the 18th green at, at Augusta National is still fresh in our mind. And the most that I can think about the Masters right now, for as good as John Rahm was and as happy I, as I am that he won, I know that you want to talk about him, Maddie. I just want to talk about my hatred for Brooks Kepka, And this is a guy that I've liked for a very long time. And the live tour aside, I don't really care if these golfers want to go make money. Collect your check, stack racks. I don't care if the Saudi government is going to pay you that amount of money for doing half the work to play to 30 fans, then go do it. If you want to, I'm all for selling your soul. If that's what you want to, I wouldn't make that decision, but that's not my decision to make. They're not willing to offer me $400 million to play golf. At the end of the day, one of the things that I'm most frustrated by Brooks Kepka about is that he seems to be backtracking on this decision that he made. If I was healthy, I wouldn't have made this decision. No, you're just upset that people aren't adoring you anymore. And that's so annoying to me because I'm a tertiary golf fan. I like watching the majors. If it's on on a Sunday and there's nothing else on, I'll definitely watch it. But Brooks Kepka, when he went to live tour, this guy that has loudly proclaimed that he hates golf and doesn't even like to play it, and he's bored out there, gets offered $400 million to play, and all of a sudden it's not a big deal. <laughs> for it's, it's, it's not a big deal for him to go collect that check, and now he wants to play on the PGA Tour for less money. I just hate him with every ounce of being that I have uh, because it's one thing to go collect a bag, do it, and be... Don't don't look for apology, apologies or anything else. Don't try to pander to the public when you're about to win the Masters. Just go out and collect the bag. Be a bad guy like Phil. We're all black on Sunday. But I love I love it, Tyler. I love the hatred. Uh, you've come on hot the past two weeks with the Embiid hate and now the Brooks hate, and uh, I just gonna kind of play the opposite role again. Where I just gonna, I just want to talk about my love for John Rom. I love that he's fiery. I love that he shows emotion. I love that he cares so much about the game. You know, the fact that he's playing this week, you know, I know they're kind of supposed to now, but uh, he's playing this week at the RBC Heritage, you know, a week after winning the Masters. A lot of people usually take weeks off after, you know, winning a major tournament, but nope, not him. He said today or yesterday that, you know, he made that commitment and he wants to play for the fans because there's, you know, young fans looking up to him and everything. And he's just... He, he might be my favorite golfer since Tiger at this point. Like I, I like I've been really fo like following him closely for years now. And I never found that player, you know, that was going to become that my like that, that tiger love, I guess. And he's probably the closest thing since tiger. You know, I, I had flirts with guys like Jason day and stuff like that. Even Kepka, I, you know, I flirted with flirted with him for a little bit, but now it's just all John Rom to me. Like, you know, I think the golf is just in such good hands with him and Scheffler 
and you know the the Spies and Thomases of the world and everything. I just more Morikawa, you know, all these guys, all these all these young players playing on Hovland. Like, there's just a lot of really good players, and there's a lot of parity. But it seems like Rom and Scheffler are the ones that are kind of like the exception to the parity a little bit. You know, obviously anyone can still win, but those guys just seem to keep winning the past few years. Yeah, I've been watching you make bedroom eyes at so many golfers over the years. And, and you know, every time you flirt with them, I could tell it was never the real deal until I saw you look at John Rahm. His his yep. his sturdy body, you know, he, he yep. his the way he strikes the ball. <laughs> no, I, I love John Rahm too. I think it's it's really wonderful that he won. And he won in a way that he was able to come back and kind of beat the bad guy. And that was the best case scenario for the PGA as a whole. Absolutely. I mean, especially with, you know, you know, Brooks, Phil and everyone top five and all that stuff, like that, you know, multiple live guys. In the, in the top 510. So, you know, the PGA definitely will take the win here for sure. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of really likable guys in the PGA right now. I, I think that I'm making, I'm making bedroom eyes at a few of the guys that you were talking about. I love Morikawa, but I also really like Zalatoris. Yeah. And isn't he? He's hurt now, right? Isn't he out? He's, for, hurt, is he, yeah. he's, he's out for the year. And Max Homa. I think that oh, Homa, you gotta love Homa. And and Just, Homa, he's he's the most ordinary guy that's like ever played golf. And I really think that he is a superb talent that just continues to let everyone down, and he's perfectly fine with that. He he reminds me a lot of Ricky Fowler. Yeah, yeah. And Fowler was kind of Fowler's was always kind of shiny and like kind of new toy and. Uh, you know, obviously he dresses, you know, his, his ways and everything. I feel like they're a little different where Homer just is like, uh, just a little more of like an ordinary guy that just happens to be very good at golf. And I, I really think that Homa is the, the prince that was promised as, as a part of my take listener and somebody that was given all of this Brooks love for a long time. And then you start to listen to Max Homa talk about golf and he loves the game. He loves to play it but he also really doesn't care at the end of the day, you know, and that is such a truly lovely part of it. He wants to win, but if he loses, it's not a huge deal, you know? Yep. Absolutely. All right. So for my, what you got, I just want to talk briefly about the Bruins um, just because they obviously in the past week have set numerous records, including 64 wins um, they have on the season and, they're currently winning 2-1 against Montreal. Uh, they have 133 points, which is a record. Um, they're the fourth team to get to 60-plus wins in general. Um, they have the league best save percentage. That's not like a overall record. Um, but uh, they're plus 127 on goal differential, which is, I think, the league best by like 60-plus, which is wild, absolutely wild. And the goalies have just been insanely clutch all year. They, there's... It's just so, so clutch. And the scoring with Pasta, you know, 60-plus goals, it's just absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. So that's all I got to say about uh, the Bruins. I don't know if you have anything on the Bruins, Tyler. I'm going to flip around my hat right now and put my full bandwagon support on the Bruins. I have watched uh, maybe 10 periods all year. 
Uh, but this is exactly the time that I need to hop on the bandwagon when they're breaking all these records. Uh, fun little anecdote. Um, when I think about hockey, I think about UMaine hockey and growing up with Paul Correa playing in UMaine. I grew up in Maine. Paul Correa was an absolute stud. Uh, UMaine had won the national hockey title twice, and they were the biggest news of all. And the funniest part about all of this and, and where my Bruins love this year lies is with the backup goalie, Jeremy Swayman, UMaine alum. But the beautiful part about this is that in the, it was 1994, I believe it was, that the Maine Black Bears hockey team was going to the college national title and everyone was going nuts about them. And they were on the, the backs of a goalie named Blair Allison. And my dumb ass at eight was allowed to name my sister. And I got to name in my sister's name, Haley Blair McPherson. And they let me go with Blair instead of Allison. And I named her after my favorite hockey goalie, a college hockey goalie from UMaine. That's epic. I did not know that story. That is a good story. That is that is some silly breakfast for us today. That is good stuff. All right. So moving on from hockey, I think we had a you know touch right on into basketball. You know, we had the playing games. Um, yep. Playing games were honestly most of the games were pretty bad, except for really the OKC. Pelicans game. I mean, the the sorry, the Chicago uh, Toronto game was pretty good. Uh, it was a little messy, but uh, obviously the story of the night was uh, Demar Derozan's little daughter screaming at the foul shooters, and they missed like eighteen or something yeah, foul at, shots, at which home. is pretty wild. At home, which is pretty wild. So good for her, good for her, good for them. Um, but I just want to brag a little bit because I placed my. Uh, I placed a, a so I I won a bunch of money on the Lakers because I bet them at halftime to win money line, and I bet LeBron to have ten plus points in the third, which he did with like a last minute last last second layup, which was great. So I took that money and I put some of it on a parlay, uh, a prop bet parlay, which I don't usually do. So I had Demar Derozan needed to get twenty plus points. Zach Levine needed to get 25 plus points. Siakam needed to get 25 plus points and Fred Van Vliet had to get 20 plus points. So there was crazy odds on that. Cause you know, I think a lot of people were yeah, expecting DeRozan to, um, you know, you never know with him in the playoffs, I guess, but he came in clutch in the fourth quarter and Van Vliet has obviously kind of struggled this year a little bit. Yep. So I think a lot of people, I think the odds were kind of boosted on those two things. So I want to, on twenty bucks, I want to cool two hundred ninety eight dollars on that. Yeah. So that was that was a nice hit for me. That's that's awesome. And the plan, I I really like the plan. I think it's, I lo I love it. I think it's a great way to keep teams engaged instead of tanking at the end of the year. Is that teams like Oklahoma City had no incentive to win at the end of the year until this moment. You know, until the moment where they could have a playoff berth and give guys like Giddy. Lou Dort um, and and Shea Gildress Alexander a chance to shine on the biggest on the biggest uh, stage and I think that you know we're going to get into it a little bit later when we do a playoff deep dive but I do think that Oklahoma City has no chance at winning 
They don't. No, probably not. But if you think about it, this is some key playoff experience for the core of their team that returns Chet Holmgren. Who knows what we're going to get? In summer ball, he looked great. But I do think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this team. And somebody like Lou Dort just be an absolute dog out there and take over. <laughs> absolute dog. And I mean, Giddy, Giddy was unbelievable. He was, he had, what do you have? 30 plus points. He was, he was unbelievable. Like just like what they have so much talent on that roster with check coming back. Not only that, but don't they have like 15 plus first round picks yeah. over the next few years. <laughs> that, that, and like, and, and like they're getting playoff experience, which is huge. The rumor is, is that if Luca does want to leave, that Oklahoma City is really the only team that can pay the cost for him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, they could probably give like fucking eight first round picks and not even bat an eye at it. Exactly. And but I don't even do. Do you want Luca on that team? I, Are you sure? I, I think SGA. I think you probably... obviously. Yeah, you you want to you obviously want Luca Doncic. I'm, yeah. I'm just asking like the general question more. I think SGA plays well off the ball, as does Giddy. I think that they can move the ball around really well. And with a ball-dominant guard like Luka, you need to continually move the ball um, and get it back into his hands. And they can, they're can they great jump shooters, mid-range, long distance. And Chet, I, it, it's really hard to say what he's going to be. But uh, the kid out of Arkansas, Williams, has been playing really well for them this year. He's a rookie. Yeah, is that J- Jalen Williams? Yeah, I think his name's Jalen Williams. He's been playing really yeah. well for them. And yeah, that's, a, that's a flyer of a pick for them. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I, I just can't wait to see somebody be put into the torture chamber again. Oh, yeah. I, I, there's very few people. I mean, that's not true. Like, I, I love watching defense. So, you know, like when. Watching Drew Holiday, like per se, is one of my favorite things to watch. Him just guard a guard, just because he's so insanely talented at, at at defense. But Dort, you know, playing, you know, d- defending people bigger than him and guards and like everything, just like it, it's kind of like old school Marcus Smart a little bit, but he's even like thicker. <laughs> I was I was just about to say that is that if this was a team that was closer to winning a title right now or closer to being a rival of the, of the Celtics, I would hate Lou Dort, but I love watching him just because he is Marcus smart, but a little bit longer and a little bit bigger. Yeah, totally. Um, I think that brings us into our next topic, which I have a question for Tyler. Um, So we have some ideas behind it, but uh, so Tyler, if you had to pick any team aside from the Celtics to win the title this year, who would you pick? You can throw like a flyer out there on like a team that yeah. you kind of wish wish could win, or uh, and then like a more realistic team. And then who is the last team? And I know the answer to this already. I, I, if you didn't tell me, I would have already known. Yeah. But who is the last team you want to win the title this year? I'm gonna ruin the suspense for everyone and tell them the team that I do not want to win, and that team is. The Oklahoma City. No, it's the 76ers, <laughs> of course. I, I just fucking hate them. I really do think that there is no part of me that doesn't think back all the way back to the choking uh, between uh, Bird and Julius Irving and all the way through just bad 76ers years. I couldn't even enjoy the Iverson years. I just don't like the 76ers. And... 
really the Celtics rivals have gone to the wayside when the Knicks have died off in years and uh, the Lakers are still there. They're coming back with LeBron, but a Western conference team really can't be your, your full on rival. You don't play them all that much. The biggest rival we have are the 76ers and the scary Terry year was one of the happiest years of my life and watching them make the confetti fly. And I just can't wait for them to find a way to mess this up again in the playoffs. I think for an unrealistic team to win it, I'd really love to see the Brooklyn Nets win it. And and I think you and I both agree and have a weird love for the Brooklyn Nets post this trade. But I also think... Oh, absolutely. I, I love watching that team play basketball. I think that Jock Vaughn is a great coach. I think that they got great players. Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges... Uh, and and uh, and uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, those are all great role players. And this is, uh, to shout out another podcast that I know that you and I both listen to, this is a Kevin O'Connor wet dream. It's just lank, lanky, long, defensive-minded, 3-and-D guys out there that all have a chance to score and play ball. I think the better part of the entire part of this is imagine being a team that wins the title and within that calendar year, you have traded James Harden, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. That would just be an incredible storyline. And one of the pieces that, that you got returned to you is Ben Simmons. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty wild. And of course, I mean, Mikhail Bridges has just been unreal since he, since he got to Brooklyn. Like he's just, yeah. like, he, he was, he was great when, uh, when Booker was out and stuff like that for, um, the Suns. But now when he is like, kind of like the leader of the team, really, he is just absolutely destroying everyone. He is scoring at will. He is defending like a monster. He's just, he is just, he's becoming a star really. Yeah. Like he, he, like he is, he has, true star potential in my eyes. And let's not forget about, uh, to, to revert back to my first pick here, the all-time bag fumble by the 76ers on trading, <laughs> yes. on trading the local guy whose mom worked for the 76ers for some guy who is no longer in the league. Yes, didn't he? He grew up in Philly, went to Villanova, and his mom worked for the 76ers, yeah. and, and they traded him. They drafted him and traded him on draft night. Yeah, we just... That, that's a bag fumble for sure. Um, and so the team that I, I think that I most want to see win this, and I I toyed with the idea of having it be the Suns, um, just for my boy, shout out Bismack Biombo, who just returned to, to <laughs> practice recently. He's going to be there for the long playoff run. Um, it's going to be the Nuggets, and it's because they're the furthest from anything that I care about. I like watching Jokic play. I like the players on their team. Um, them winning really has no influence on my life. I just think it would be fun to watch. And and really, as an NBA fan, that's all that I can ask for if it's not going to be the Celtics. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go through mine now, and I, I guess I'll start with the team that I least want to win, and it's kind of a it's kind of a torn subject for me. So if, if you don't know, um, so Steph Curry has been my favorite player in the NBA for, you know, for, you know, before their championships, I just adore Steph Curry. He's my favorite player to watch. I absolutely adore him. 
but you know, losing to them last year was tough and you know, it's, it was, it was a tough way to lose, but this year I just, I kind of hate the idea of them playing so mediocre most of the season, you know, with a horrible, horrible road record, just like atrocious road record. And then being able to get in the playoffs uh, and just turn it on and win the whole thing. That just drives me nuts. It almost makes it feel like nothing matters, I guess. Yeah. Nothing matters. Like regular season is a joke, which, you know, some people do. I mean, I feel like I feel like those old Warriors teams with Durant kind of took some of the regular season games off, but they still won a ton, yeah. and they were still dominant. But this year, they like really haven't been dominant. And for them, if they get in the, you know, when, the, when they if they can get through the first couple rounds and end up winning it all, I will just it, it, it'll just feel like nothing matters. Yeah, and as a fan that watches, uh, you know, you might not watch eighty two. Say you watch sixty. Imagine watching an entire season and rooting for a team. Your team's winning the entire season. They go in as a number two seed, and it just ends up being the the Warriors again. And the Warriors yeah. who mailed it in the entire season, and they've won enough already. You know, let somebody else win for a change. And I, I guess that part of me as a fan gets really annoyed with stars on rest nights, too. And people pay a lot of money to go see Steph Curry play. And then if it's on a back-to-back or something, he's just he's just not going to play. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. So getting into my unrealistic pick to win it all is a team we were just talking about, and that's the Oklahoma City Thunder. Love I love this team. And for all the reasons we were talking about before, I – would love to see this team actually compete for a championship in the next few years um, with all their picks and like check coming back and just like playoff experience. If they, if they just if in some miracle, they could, they pulled it off this year. That would be one of the most impressive feats for a team that really everyone expected to be a bottom team this year. And like, I, I actually had the over on their wins. I can't remember what it was, but I'm happy with that. But uh, just cause they, they really have, a lot of good players. And uh, that's pretty much all I got on that. We talked about them enough, but for the team that I realistically think could win. And it's actually an Eastern conference team. And I know it's kind of, you know, we shouldn't be rooting against, uh, against Celtics, but just say, you know, matchups don't happen, but I actually love watching Cleveland play. Um, I, love that team. They are the best defense in the NBA and I just love watching good defense. They have so many dogs. Evan Mobley, you know, is arguably a top two, three um, defensive player of the year candidate. It seems like triple J will win, but Mobley is right there. I mean, I know a lot of people actually voted for Mobley. Um, Simmons and Russillo both did actually, but I love that team. I love Donovan Mitchell just embracing the stardom and just balling out, you know, so many 40-point games this year, just multiple back-to-back 40-point games, just absolutely stunning basketball by them on the offensive and um, defensive. And and I didn't even talk about Garland yet, who I just – he's one of my favorite point guards to watch in the NBA for sure. Yeah, and, and, you know, there were a lot of people that said that the starting five for the Cavaliers might be the best in all of basketball um, and the most well-rounded. 
Jared Allen is part of this whole Brooklyn Brooklyn Nets history that oh that, yeah uh, and the sell off and it's really hard to to think about and one of the I I I toyed with the idea of going with the Cavaliers as well because I think it would be really really hilarious to see the Cavaliers win without LeBron and just completely stomp on that title. Imagine if it was Cleveland versus the Lakers. Ooh, Ooh, that'd that'd be be a really nice matchup. So Maddie, I have a piece of trivia for you and it's actually something that I just knew offhand and I had, I I quickly had to look it up just to make sure. Um, So the Oklahoma city thunder actually have a few numbers retired. And I don't know how many of these are actually from uh, the 76ers, not the 76ers, the Supersonics years. Um, But there's... Was it all of them? (laughs) No. So there's one modern Oklahoma City Thunder player who has his number retired. He's he's not active, but he has a... His number is retired by the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I can, I can, it, there's actually one really funny and, and right number that they have retired and it's Bill Russell. Shout out Bill Russell. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he wore number four and he spent 14 seasons in Oklahoma city. Um, really that means more Seattle supersonics, but uh, I, I literally can't think of it. What is it? Nick Collinson. Wow. <laughs> Number nice. four is retired by the by the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, that's a start franchise, huh? <laughs> Very much so. And so I think you're right in saying that it'd be really nice to see them win one. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I think we should just briefly touch on the, the Hawks-Celtics matchup. And so... I believe the first game is Saturday at like three 30. I'll be in Austin, Texas. So I have to convince my wife to sit at a bar during the day in hot, in hot Texas, instead of sitting by the pool, or at least maybe I'll sneak off and watch some of it. Otherwise I might be watching on my phone somewhere. You got to bring an iPad. You got to bring iPad is the, the new, I have, I, yeah, I have a Kindle fire thing. Um, but, uh, I, 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 I gotta, I, I can't not watch it. So I'll, I'll find a way to watch it. But, uh, I actually love this matchup for the Celtics. I, I think so. I think Hawks are like top five in scoring yeah. in like points per game, but they're so mediocre defensively and actually bad, just straight bad. They're just bad yeah. defensively. And we are, when we want to be, we are good defensively. And I think we will be good defensively in the playoffs. And I feel like we can match points with them yeah. and, and defend better. Like I, I, I see it going five to six games. I think they'll probably pull out a couple wins just by the Celtics not hitting their threes and them just scoring like 125, 30 points or something like that in a given night. Yeah, I could see them winning the but, first home game that they have. Uh, one of the home games in the first stand, and that's about it. I, I think we win every matchup that we have, including the Trey Young matchup with, with Marcus Smart. I think that his offense... Marcus Smart's defense, and I know Marcus Smart is banged up, but that is a nightmare matchup in today's NBA for Trey Young. Trey Young's productivity has gone down leaps and bounds 
from where it used to be. And similar with Harden, where they're not calling that foul where you pump fake and lean into the guy and take contact. And that is a huge yeah, part yeah. of Trey's game. And I, I think that up and down the roster, we're at least equal or, or we have all the firepower to beat them in every which way. Absolutely. Some things I couldn't agree and, more. And you were dancing a little bit on your on on your parlay. And one of the things that I'm really excited about is that I might be back in in the game, a brief retirement, because uh, on New Year's Eve I placed uh, Malcolm Brogdon Six Man of the Year award winner. Oh hell and yeah! That one I think it's gonna hit. Yeah, it looks like he's in the. It's, I saw some guy on Twitter that like tallies just everyone saying their things. It looks like Brogdon was in the. Yeah, league. and and he was nearly double Emmanuel quickly. Well, quickly. I mean, his he, his when he's off the bench, his numbers are way below Brogdon. Yeah, um, not way below, but like his. I mean, he's not nearly as efficient of a scorer. He's not as good of a defender, and he. Uh, doesn't score as many points per game off the bench. His numbers are juiced because he, you know, started 20 something. Yeah. Games. And I think that the voters uh, probably think about it a little bit better than uh, the betting odds have at this point, because when you look at the odds, I believe that quickly is still uh, the odds on favorite. And I think he was minus 200 somewhere in that range. And Brogdon was plus 200 somewhere in that range. And, and, these these aren't uh live at all they may have changed yeah i wonder what i wonder if they've changed since the kind of some of the votes have come out and it's showing brogdon like you know leading. yeah and and i'm guessing that's changed and i just think in the truest sense of six man of the year brogdon embodies all of that he is a uh boilerplate off from the bench that comes in and can score at will and take over the entire offense and defense. He he really balances the Celtics so well and he closes out some games for the Celtics, especially down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean so, like a lot of my favorite minutes of the year so far are when White and Brogdon are on the floor at the same time because you got two people that can defend and two people that can score like playing guard. <laughs> I awesome. think it's it's exactly what Popovich tried to do with Derek White years ago when he tried to do it with DeJounte Murray and Derek White and he was drafting all those guards. He wanted to see this two-man game of two guards setting high screens for each other and passing the ball and cutting really well. And it never worked out for him, but it seems to work really well for Brogdon and White. And it's really fun to watch them pass the ball. And I'll say it. uh, I I think I've said it on the pod before, and I'll say it again. Um, I I truly think that Malcolm Brogdon is the best ball handler without taking Kyrie out, out of the equation. He's the best ball handler the Celtics have had in two decades. Yeah. Maybe since Kenny nice. Anderson. Well, I love that. I love that. So uh, moving on from the Celtics, I just want to touch just, just, I just, because it was my, what you got last week. Uh, Sox overs are absolutely crushing. Um, they lost nine to three today. I watched the entire game. They were up three, one, I think in the fifth. And then in the bottom of the fifth, Tampa scored seven runs. Because that's the Sox pitching right now. <laughs> is they are absolutely atrocious. They are so goddamn bad yeah. at pitching, and it is hilarious. So, uh, just some stat on that: uh, nine overs have hit 
and only four unders have hit on the year so far. So if you're betting every game like me, you are doing okay in the betting department when the overs. And there's been a few games that like, you know, one of my friends uh, said, you know, you shouldn't bet this game. And it was smart. Uh, then another one, you know, we, we were talking about not betting and then it hit it over. It's just like they, they, these overs just are just insane. How, how, how much and how well, I guess, how well does Adam Duvall have to play for us to just be able to take over Duvall from Jacksonville? Well, he's hurt now, right? Isn't he? he was batting 500 up until a few days ago. I, I haven't kept up on them in the last few days, to be honest. But yeah, uh, he fractured his left wrist. No surgery oh, needed, though. Well, that's good. Yeah, so that's a that's a that's a that's going to be a damper on the bats a little bit. Yeah, sadly. and so, but I still think the bats will come. And like, I I just think with our pitching and you know our ability to you know get enough get get at least get a few runs, you know we're, we're going to be like losing a lot of games, like you know seven to four or like yeah. nine to three today and stuff like that. I just feel like a lot of the games are going to go in that fashion. And Tampa, I mean, what a hot start for them. They're I think they're thirteen yeah. and zero. And and uh, I'll just give I gave an excited Duval there. And you just broke the news to me, so I'm going to give a really sad one because I think it does lend itself really well to being a sad one. Duval, that it just sounds so right. <laughs> uh, I, I I do kind of check up on box scores here and there for the Red Sox when I can't watch them. Shout out Nesson Plus for absolutely putting a stranglehold on New England. If you don't have a cable subscription, actually, fuck you, Nesson yep. Plus. <laughs> um, yeah, but. The biggest thing that that I saw last night and really was disappointing is Bobby Dahlbeck was our starting shortstop. Oh, he was bad, yeah. Bobby Dahlbeck, who was a bad first baseman for us. He was a bad third baseman for us. And then we're just going to put him at shortstop. I would rather rather Alex Cora keep his jersey on and go out there and play shortstop right now than Bobby Dahlbeck ever play again. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on from the Sox. Um, I just want to touch briefly on the Pats just because they made a huge free agency move. And if you didn't hear, they signed quarterback Trace McSorley. Uh, actually, I, my, uh, my dad's uh, uh, general manager actually broke the news to me today. I didn't see that today. But uh, my biggest question was why. And he thinks there could be some conspiracy of a way to sign Lamar because they played together on Baltimore because Trace was uh, um, drafted by Baltimore and played with under Lamar no. for a little bit. <laughs> I, I love, I love the idea of it. And he was like, you know, we were talking about it today and we love the, this, like we love the idea of the conspiracy, but I just still don't think it's that realistic. But I also got to ask, why did we sign Trace? Missouri? I guess because you can, <laughs> um, he's probably going to come in and try to compete. They're, it means that they're going to either they're going to move on from a quarterback and it's probably Trace McSorley but you might as well kick the tires on him i i'm just very convinced that lamar's back in baltimore this year the excite them signing and and committing all this money to odell isn't for tyler huntley and the fact that they posted on each other's instagram story means that this is the first step in some goodwill between the two sides there. But Trace yeah. McSorley. Yeah, I, 
I wanted to believe. I wanted to believe. I love. I love that idea. I love that idea of signing like an old backup of his as a way to like entice him for some reason. Uh, it just. I just don't think it's still realistic. And for you know the reason you kind of just gave is it seems like Baltimore is kind of back of the as a front runner to yeah, sign and, again. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, you are. That would be a very. If you remember it. Um, the Red Sox lost in free agency, Doug, Doug Mariabelli, and they had to trade back. I think he was with the Padres. They had to trade back for him and give up assets to give up uh, assets for a backup catcher just to be the personal catcher for one of their pitchers. Wow. All right, so moving on to the Pats. Um, I believe, Tyler, you have – a silly breakfast last call topic for us tonight. So what do we have tonight, Tyler? So this one isn't nearly as silly as previous weeks. And it's because we're missing our silliest milk drinker, John Salty Dalton. And um, just, just kind of off topic here for 10 seconds. We call a guy salty and his favorite drink is milk. Those are two polar opposites of, of flavors. But um, we're going to cut that anyways, I'm sure. <laughs> no, we're keeping that in. We're keeping that um, in. So my silly breakfast topic of the week is going to be uh, really in reference to what's been going on in the last week, week and a half, is we had the Masters finish up uh, on Sunday. And just last night, uh, we're recording uh, Thursday night right now. Last night, we had DeMar DeRozan's daughter take center stage yelling as the Raptors took free throws. And so if there's an athletic event, would you rather putt in complete silence in front, in front of a full crowd or, or take free throws with a little girl screeching in an entire crowd on your side? So, you know what? It might be surprising, but I think I'll take the little girl screeching because too much, like I, I'm a guy that's I can be pretty reserved at times. I like my silence and everything, but if I'm competing, it might be the opposite for me. I kind of like some a little noise, like in golf. Like I like I I don't play music when I golf, but I don't mind if it is. Like I've played with people that have like like a little you know Bluetooth thing going on, and it's actually kind of like kind of gets you in a groove a little bit. Yeah, and I think I need some noise, and a crowd is going to be noisy anyways. And just that little extra screech, I don't think it's going to really waver, waver me too much. I mean, I, I'm obviously, I'm not a great free throw shooter these days and anyways, but I think I'll go with the loud noises over the complete silence because the complete silence and with the crowd kind of terrifies me a little so, bit. So I normally would be on your side. I think that I, I played competitive golf in high school and I'll be honest, it does get into your head a little bit. I played both sports competitively in high school and the putting in complete silence and people screaming when you do free throws, it's really easy to black out the the thought when you're doing free throws as opposed to the golfing. Golfing is just very conducive to silence and sometimes the silence makes you get into your own head. But as a new dad, I will say, that the shrill noise of a, of a kid screaming sometimes can cut directly into your heart. 
And if you're sitting there as a playing at your home court, there's very few people screaming. There's uh, just a light murmur, some white noise. And all of a sudden, this eight-year-old girl is reaching timbres that you've never heard before in your life. It will cut from your throat down to your bowels. And may, it will... It, <laughs> Cut you down to your soul. Down to your soul, and uh, just I I think that that one would really get to me. If I was standing on the green at at, uh, on the 18th green at the Masters and it was completely silent, though, I think my brain would eat itself as well. So I think I'd fail at both of them. Just right now, I know where my head is at, and I think I'd prefer the silence. Love it. Love it. So yeah, uh, we had a little, this is a bit of a shorter episode for us because it's just the two of us. Uh, we'll hopefully be back next week in some fashion. You know, I think Tyler's leaving Thursday. I'm on vacation till Wednesday. So we're just going to have to find time to, for at least a couple of April us to get break. together. Um, April break. Yes. I'll be in Austin, Texas um, in the, in the heat, in the heat of it all, but it's going to be, it's going to be a good week for my wife and I. So we're going to have some fun eat a lot of tacos, a lot of barbecue, probably do that every day. You know, at least one meal each will be dedicated to tacos and barbecue. But that is about it for the podcast today. So that is episode, I believe, six of Silly Breakfast. So thank you for listening. And we love you and we'll talk to you soon. Love you.